Welcome to the Pocono Raceway Podcast, episode two of the season that we're not labeling. The nameless season. The Pocono nameless and season. Friends nameless season? Well, sure. that's technically that's a name, I guess, right? Hey, you know, there's no rules on the Pocono Raceway Podcast, and there's no rules for this season because we're just about here having fun, having a good time, getting ready for the NASCAR race weekend, July 22nd through the 24th. That's right, Kevin. But uh, before we get to the race weekend we have to get to today's guest who oh, y'all yeah. just heard from in the intro uh singing his song mountain down we have rowdy dixie original on today i cannot wait to hear a little bit about him get uh some more background information on how he came up in in music uh, how he got involved in this nascar world how he got involved in Kevin's personal life a little bit and how he got tied into what we're doing here at Pocono Raceway um, and hopefully a lot of stuff to do in the future. So can't wait to, to talk to him about all that. Oh, yeah. And if you joined us last summer for our, our doubleheader weekend, you saw him playing out there in Fanfare. He's done some things during the COVID times on the Instagram Live. So he's been ingrained with us here at Pocono Raceway for the last couple of years. And he's also got some cool friends in the NASCAR industry. And he just puts out some good music, good old uh, country southern music. And aside from that, he's one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet in any industry. Most, nicest, most genuine dudes you're ever going to meet. So I'm sure whatever we're going to get from him here is going to be stellar. So before we get into that, JJ, let's talk a little bit about because our NASCAR race weekend. How excited are you? The M&M's Fan Appreciation 400 is going to be here before we know it, as well as all the other uh, events that are taking place that weekend. That's right, Kevin. Headlined by the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400, as you mentioned. M&M's going out with a bang, celebrating 32 years in this sport with a big going away party here uh, for not only the fans of Kyle currently, but fans of Ernie Irvin, David Gillen, Ken Schrader, uh, anybody else who's been behind the wheels of a Mars-branded car over the last 32 years. We're going to celebrate all that, all the fans that came with it and have a rip-roaring good time along with our Xfinity race, the CRC Brake Clean 150 truck race, and of course the General Tire 200. So it's safe to say though that this weekend is going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> I guess that's one way to say it. Right? Yes. Yeah, a little sweet. We're playing a lot of fun, uh, a lot of cool things around that. Um, JJ mentioned the the driver appearance with some of the, uh, obviously, current Kyle Busch and uh, some of the past M&M's drivers, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, if you leave this race without a sugar high from a whole mess <laughs> of chocolate, you did it wrong. No doubt. Yeah. If you don't have your tickets yet, go on PokerRaceway.com. not trying to, you know, Straight up sell you tickets here on the podcast. No, 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 we are. Yeah, no, well, that's our job. No but. doubt. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, sir. But but at the same time, guys, uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. You won't want to miss it here in the Pocono Mountains this summer. Absolutely. And poke around the website a little bit. There's probably a whole bunch of ticket specials still out there where you can get yourself something a little special. Maybe oh, yeah. an add-on here or there, a discount here or there. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a there's, whole bunch of stuff out there. There's a drop-down. It, it's current promotions. So that's all the promotions going on. If you guys want to check that out. Um, you might be able to save a few bucks on tickets uh, this year as well, too. There you go. Can't beat that. Little secret for the podcast listeners: you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to thank your listeners, and we thank you guys all for tuning in every single week. And uh, as much as I like to hear us talk, JJ, I think Rowdy's got a lot to say. Yep. Um, so let's get into our guest this week, uh, our friend Rowdy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, like we promised, our guest is here, the one, the only Rowdy Dixie original. What's going on, brother? How's it going, my friends? It's going it's going pretty good on my neck of the woods here in Middle Tennessee. How's it going up there in beautiful Pennsylvania? It's becoming beautiful. The yes. um the trees have officially they're they're budding out here. It's getting more green around here finally. We are, but man, I tell you what, some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen up there last year. And I know we'll get a little bit deeper into it, but I stayed in Wilkes Bar as as you guys no, um, everything was sold out anywhere between, you know, where Pocono is and anything around there. NASCAR pretty much buys up all the hotels around there um, for the cruise and stuff. But I stayed in Wilkes Bar, so 30 minutes, you know, 35 minutes mm -hmm. drive. But that over the mountain mm -hmm. and those foggy mornings, Kevin, you remember I was telling you, I was like, dude, that was, that was an experience. That was a, a religious moment, honestly. Like just the lakes, the ponds, the I even stopped and fished a couple times in those. I didn't catch anything. It was probably a little too early. But um, I think I told you, like I, I, I keep my fishing poles in my car. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you saw it. Mine were in the back of my truck. Yep. You remember? Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, you said it, you know, fans might recognize you um, if they were here on race weekend last year. You were playing both days uh, for a doubleheader weekend in the fanfare area uh, staged by our fan welcome center. Um, you've done 
some things with us in the past too during covid uh you actually played our virtual infield block party that was a wild experience for everybody obviously through the covid times but you helped us out virtually to start and then we we were lucky enough to have you up here last uh last year so um, we mentioned in our intro here a little bit about um, your music and, and um, your background, but we want you to kind of dive into it. Um, first, starting, you know, where you, you mentioned you're from Tennessee, you're down there in Tennessee, um, but, you know, you're near Bristol, um, Tennessee, or you grew up near there. So talk a little bit about your background and then move into how you got into music and, and how you're connected there. Um, well, I, I always tell people... Um, I didn't choose, I didn't choose rock, you know, music, rock music kind of chose me. Um, I grew up in a family of gospel singers, you know, going to church every week and, uh, being a part of the choir, being a part of everything. If, if I wasn't at school, it was either at church or at the house and we're always singing. Um, so my, my grandparents really loved to hear the grandchildren sing. So every chance that they got to put us on <laughs> on point and say, hey, sing this one for us. So I just kind of, you know, singing and music, I think it's a part of every kid's thing. You know, my kids are super musical, um, and I can kind of tell it's just their bone. You just remember lyrics, and you you find yourself humming them. And, and that was me growing up. I just always was around it, and my older brother wasn't too much into it. My younger brother got into music, and then my younger sister really not too much. So me and my younger brother – we're really the ones kind of hung together and we, you know, we sing old Hank Williams songs and like your cheating heart and do a double harmony. That is me and him. And we would do it just for fun, you know, just kind of like, you know, just in, you know, driving around backseat, something comes on the radio. We would just do it back and forth fun. Never thought anything else of it. And then met a couple other people um, along the way, uh, some kids that were in, uh, you know, youth group by way of, you know, in the area and just a lot of youth activities. It's during the early nineties going into the late nineties, like youth group mania was the thing. I don't know if y'all remember that like Christian tons of Christian bands, tons of uh, you know, hard music, you know, it's more adult contemporary, whatever. But anyways, you know, there was a lot going on for youth, like with, within the Christian community. And I feel like that kind of spawned just spun, uh, a little bit of a, a creative web between me and a few other dudes that love playing rock and roll too. Now, granted, we may have been in that world, but we're, you know, sneaking our Foo Fighter and Nirvana and Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots and, and our favorite rock music. And we're sneaking that into the influence, right? So I, I played bass and my best friends, you know, the drums, lead singer, and guitar and we toured we just toured we went and played lots of youth things like i said there's a every venue in town would host a night you know and they would they would have us and a few other bands that, that were up and coming at the time um the band like the band beloved and then of course band under oath that i worked for for a long time like those guys were just getting their start too and it was just a big southeastern thing really like atlanta charlotte um, I, I feel like some of Florida, like where Amberland's from as well, like Tampa, St. Pete, um, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, where Maylene Sons of Disaster are from. And like just, just all these bands sort of like created this, this, I guess, more or less a community of bands that, you know, these venues kept bringing all the bands through every month, every month, every month. And I just got into that rotation and just became more or less just involved in that genre more than, you know, the influence of the old time country and the gospel. That stuff's always here. It's what's created me. I think the, the real deep rooted heritage part is what's created Rowdy as a songwriter and um, sort of as the style and the story goes, but the influence of the edge and of musical community really came from the rock side really and growing up in east tennessee you have it all you 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 know the rock kind of was just part of that era but then you also have like i said the gospel you have the birthplace of country music which is bristol tennessee and that's like the carter family you've got um uh, the, the Stonemans, um, like a lot of old bluegrass, Ralph Stanley and Bill Monroe would, you know, they, they've all traveled down through the, you know, 
Eastern Kentucky down through Eastern Tennessee, just the influences. It's like I said, a melting pot of old time country gospel and bluegrass. And that really, like I said, is like my heart and soul where the rock more or less is the wheels, the wheels on, you know, on, on the car. And I just stayed out. I just toured. There's, there's literally years. I feel like two or three years where, genuinely i can't remember I, I can't remember how many times i actually like slept in my own bed at home it was like wow. and i would come home and be like oh like i forgot what this looked like oh i forgot you know or something else with it you know something was built in town and i'm like how long about it but that was the thing it was just 2000 2001 two, three, all the way to 2008 i was just gone hmm. um I always kept up with writing, songwriting, always kept up with it. always kept up with just trying to always be as honest as possible and do something clever, do something tasteful. And, you know, the people that I, I feel like I was creating with, it kind of became a little bit tapped. Um, it kind of didn't move outside of like this, this, this sort of like this little bit of a, of a road, a little bit of a, of, of a rut. Um, which was going and it went, but I really wanted to try other, you know, things with the, with the songwriting, with, um, within playing around with the genre of like blending some classic rock tones, old vintage amps with newer kind of ballad style writing, storytelling, like just try to, you know, do something really creative, do something different. That's the whole point, you know, being an artist is being relevant, but also always presenting something new, like, let, you know, getting the let out, always letting it out, you know? Right. Um, and Aaron came along, Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath is my best friend, my brother. I love him just the same as my blood. Um, he sort of came along at a real interesting time when some guys kind of fell off that were really gung-ho about staying in this traditional, like staying in this traditional place with writing and performing you know, traditional style drums, you know, holding it like side, you know, hold, holding the side, you know, the stick playing snare, like super groovy, LeVon Helm, which is cool, LeVon King. But I really wanted to, you know, let's put, let's put a little bit more Bonham into it. Maybe a little bit more, oh, John Bonham, a little bit more, like let's put a little bit more energy into it, but I'm still going to sing these stories. And Aaron came along at a really cool time and was looking for the same thing within his own creativity he, he, right. he had went through a little bit of of a hell um you know charged after hell with a water pistol in his own life and and, and worked his ass off to get to a really good place um create creatively mentally and emotionally you know in his own and, and we just kind of we came back together under oath took a hiatus for a little bit and he went and played for paramore and and I did my own thing with Rowdy and kind of worked a little bit with some other bands and everything kind of fell apart in order to be put back together. And me and Aaron found ourselves back together again when they did the whole um, rebirth, you know, they got back together and, they, and Aaron's like, I don't want anybody else but Rowdy. And I just so happened to be free living in Nashville, writing, uh, had already put out an EP and working on a new record and, he was like, dude, I want you back. And I was like, all right, let's see what, see what this does. Well, when he found out that I'm songwriting and I'm really trying to push this rowdy thing for real, he was like, let me hear your songs. And I let him hear them. And he's just like, this is too clean. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it's too clean. And I'm like, well, give me something. Like, what do you mean? I mean, look at me. I'm, I don't look clean. And he's like, exactly. He's like, yeah, there's, there's an edge. There's something missing. And he's like, I know what it is. And I'm like, okay, well help me. And 2017, I spent the whole tour with from 2016 rebirth into the next cycle of the new record. I just wrote, we stayed out for 280 days. I think it was for that year. I just wrote every day, every JJ front of house for under oath. My another one of my best friends and brothers, he's a virtuoso. He's a musical producer, mixer mastermind where Aaron is on creatively with lyrics and concept and, and being an artist, JJ's just as that for the engineering tech side of things, but he's just mentally, he's a music animal. Um, and both of those guys, I had access to them, you know, 
24-7, basically, when we're on the road. And I have these songs. I have this little bitty guitar I bought from a pawn shop. I'm just thumbing through, like, ideas. But I just wanted to write. I'm like, this is my chance to break free from the traditional stuff and, like, really hunker in and write authentic, rowdy stuff. Not Riley England, not, you know, the, the East Tennessee gospel, you know, groovy, you know, kind of old timey country thing. Like I wanted to write rowdy music, and that's where Dixie originally basically came from. Because I, I take a huge influence from some of my favorite artists, of course, Charlie Daniels and Hank Williams. Um, Ronnie Van Zant from Splinter Skinner was known to call Charlie Daniels the King of Dixie, which that sort of derived for me was leaning off of that. You know, rowdy being a Dixie original and. Um, and the same with Hank Williams, you know, talking about being an, being an original, being authentic. And I was just like, you know, these guys, they stand by their name and they don't care what anyone says about their creativity because it's theirs. They take ownership of it. And I was like, that's what I wanted. And so I, I just collected this book of songs and this guitar. And I found myself with Aaron and JJ. We'd, we'd mess around. We'd, we'd stay at day off hotels and like, rent the conference room out and, and literally set up a little makeshift rig studio with the, this <laughs> pawn shop bass drum and a snack. I got, you know, we pulled some gear out the night before after the, the show and kept it, you know, some microphones and cables and stuff. And we set up a little studio in the hotel and just demo nice. these songs. Just, yeah. just get into it. Like, just, you know, Hey, let's try it with this key, whatever wrote, all the all all these newer songs that are going to be, we'll get to it. The talk about the new record, literally, were from that era, and the songs that like I put out with Aaron in 2018 with just the rowdy self-titled rowdy record. All of those songs were written in the back lounge of the bus that we were on on tour, and I took those songs and they're the realest thing. They're the they're a mirror. They're a mirrored image that just reflect everything that I've seen, reflected right back at me, and I just wrote down what I saw. And me and Aaron went into the studio in New Mexico and made that record, and that was rowdy sound. Boom! Like you know, send it out to the universe, send it to the cosmos. This is this is what rowdy is. And then through the next couple of years and touring, same thing. Started collecting these songs again. Started writing like ones I hadn't had pulled out since two thousand and. 11 12 i have a song on the on this new record we're, we're gonna put out soon that's literally almost 10 years old mm. and it just finally found its day because it's the right people right. and that's more or less where we're at now is it's always been about the right people but it's also been this just evolution constant growing mending, stretching, pulling off, putting back, trying out all these things. And then it just landed somewhere with Aaron and JJ. And it was like, this is right. This feels right. And I feel like every artist gets to a point where they're like, this is the Rick Rubin, Tom Petty. This is the, you know, Metallica and Bob Rock. This is like the, the matchup. Like th this guy creatively as a producer, this artist and this engineer. And there's these perfect put together pieces that we have in music history that are from these entities, you know, uh, Chris Stapleton and um, uh, his, his, his producer. Oh, why can't I remember off the top of my head? Hold on. It'll come to me. Um, oh man. I feel like I should Anyways. know this too. Yeah. Cobb, Dave Cobb. Sorry. Go. I don't know why my went by. But anyways, like Chris Stapleton and Dave Cobb, they make it. Jason Isbell and Dave Cobb. So, I kind of leaned into Aaron for that and Aaron felt the same way. And that's, it went from me just trying what I knew, what I thought was best and following a lot of people and what they thought was best to these brothers charging me going, dude, Brad has got to have teeth. Like suck. <laughs> you got to have, have teeth. I'm like, you know, like, suck. like you're, you, you, you need some edge, man. We turn that up. Uh, one of the sayings in the campus, turn it on. Oops. <laughs> one of the sayings in the campus, turn it on and turn it up. Uh, no matter what, if you feel good about it, turn that thing on and turn it up as high as it'll freaking go. All right. Um, so, and we so, don't, you know, when we play on stage, we got the amps on. We don't, we don't worry about effects. We just want you to hear it. But, but anyways, that's, that's where I'm landed here. And it's brought so many cool opportunities. I think 
authentically, everyone being themselves authentically yourself, you will always, no matter what you're doing with your life, authenticity will always bring about those opportunities you're so passionate about. It really does. No doubt about that. I think that um, that rings true with pretty much everybody here as well. Um, this is probably the most authentic bunch of individuals you're ever going to meet in this in this uh, in the track world. I would I would venture to in say in the industry. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but to tie that all together, that's an amazing story. You had a ton of stuff going on, an amazing childhood, all the way up through doing all these cool things, writing in Nashville, um, involved all these amazing people. How did you get tied into the NASCAR let, world, and then this guy over here? How let, how did that happen? Let, let me let me jump in first um, because you yeah. know for for. Some of the NASCAR fans, Pocono Raceway fans that are listening to this, um, you may, like some of the bands that you mentioned that you worked um, with before, like Under Oath and stuff like that, you might not necessarily put Under Oath and NASCAR in the same sentence. Or, or you know, growing up, I've been an Under Oath fan since 2004, and I've been a NASCAR fan since 2001, so essentially the same time. But I never put two and two together until one day I saw Aaron Gillespie, who you mentioned, the drummer, was starting to post a whole bunch of NASCAR stuff. And I'm like since when does Aaron like NASCAR and why it blew my mind? Like we've talked about that since, but so then as I'm learning more about the, the NASCAR connection to under oath and all that, which we've, we've kind of got into. And, um, that's when I learned about, um, Rowdy and your music. And I was like, Oh, well he's connected to, he watches NASCAR too. And then I saw like JJ's a fan. And like, I was like, Oh man, well, under oath is a bunch of NASCAR fans. This is like the coolest thing ever for me personally. One of my favorite bands is also, fan of my favorite sport like it's perfect it's great so um to to kind of start the story of how we've got connected now and and how um rowdy has now been a part of pocono raceway for multiple years in in the musical sense um you know aaron's other band the almost was on tour and rowdy was opening up for them um so i went out i think um i think i was dating my wife at the time and i was like hey it was like a Monday night or a Sunday night, one of the two, right? So it's like not not the ideal concert time, you know. There's yeah, there's better times for, than, a, than a Sunday night for you to invite yeah, your well, wife reason, to a concert that she never been to before. Not the, the ideal reason one. I know it was not a Sunday is because we played a replay mm. race in the green room. Oh, so. uh, okay. I'll tell you what race they played because this this was the most mind blowing moment of my like it was like a total mind blowing moment here. So. um Rowdy opened up, so after after he was done his set, I kind of went up there, and I'm wearing a Michael Waltrip T-shirt. As you would. Yep. Way too tight, and, and, you know, we got connected that I work at Pocono, and, and I just remember, like, he was like, oh, you got to come meet the guys. So I'm like, oh, cool. Like, this is this is wild. This is going to be cool. And, like, I'm a little nervous, right, because, like, I'm a big fan, right? I've mm-hmm. lived my life with an under oath poster above my bed, right? So, like, that's right. That's, I'm going to yeah, go right. meet Aaron. Yay. I walk back there and they're watching the 04 Daytona 500 in car Dale Jr. uh, camera. (laughs) Like the most, like straight up. Like one of the most recognizable. Yeah, that's what it was. The one they used to do the pay per view. Wow. One of the most recognizable races of all time. And you just happened to walk in. I sat right down. We were were just hanging out (laughs) then. I was like, this is all good. (laughs) We had, see, we had a little. package of it's like our little our tour concierge service is like we bring it in the green room we open it up and there's like seven or eight die casts we just kind of sit around <laughs> a smattering if you will <laughs> and then you know like here's a flag a dale flag here's a jimmy johnson bandana you know we just we tried to make the tour as easy and as like feeling as like as close to feeling at home even though you're far away from home and what tied literally nascar has been that medicine for us is that no matter where we were at we could always turn on a race and feel like we were home we were back in the living room back wherever home is and all those guys are so tight and they're all from the same area so even though i'm from tennessee when i go down there and stay at jj's house that's home that's home to me just as well so we turn a race on it's a common it's just a common you know like language amongst us all that's like yeah, this is called get right. It's medicine. So when we're all watching a race together, we just shut the world out <laughs> and we're back home, you know. So so essentially whenever you came into the green room, you were witnessing our living room, you mm-hmm. know, away from home. Um, but it's funny because we you and I were talking on Instagram, I think, before 
the show and you had mentioned to me like i can't believe the under oath it, or the dudes from under oath would be nascar fans like it blew your mind i, I remember you'd mentioned that and i was like like come on out i'm like yeah this is totally cool but you know what it's drivers like alex bowman um like blaney and bubba and these guys who are they are actually fans of heavy music that really made this happen that's my introduction into it because Alex came out, Alex Bowman came out and he had just signed into the 88. That was the first nationwide year uh, after junior or maybe no, maybe it wasn't, the, but it was 2000. Oh gosh. Was it 18? I think it was 2008, 2017. Probably, or probably 18. Yeah. 18. Yeah. 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 So uh, he, Alex got a hold of Tim McTague, which is the drumming God. And just sent him a mess, basically a message being like, hey, or, or no, he sent Under Oath's Instagram a message saying, new record sounds dope. And this is when Erase Me had just came out. And Tim was like, came to practice one day. I think it was, he goes, you guys know who like Alex Bowman is? And JJ's the super mega man. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll get to my NASCAR story, but JJ's really a super, super mega fan. And he's, he's 10 years younger than everybody. So his dad's a NASCAR fan. So he's a huge NASCAR fan. And like, when I say NASCAR fan, I mean, there it, it's, it, it's sort of, a it's a part of their, who they are. Basically that you, you, you're, you set your schedule by NASCAR and that's what his family did. Um, and he is a wealth of knowledge, honestly, about everything. He loves to, you know, Tony Stewart is like that guy for, for this crew. And JJ just thought it was like, maybe everybody thought it was lame. So he never talked about it. But closetly and behind closed doors, he is the biggest NASCAR geek in the world, genuinely. And no one knew about it. And Philadelphia, uh, we played a festival there. And me and him had a hotel room together. He's like, hey, you want to watch a replay of a race? And I'm like, well, let's just watch the real race. He's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, let's just watch the real race. And we watched it. And, and after it was over, he was like, do you like NASCAR? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> do you? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Why did you say so? <laughs> so? So this whole life of mine, I grew up in Bristol, right by the track. I got to see Dale Earnhardt drive the Wrangler car in 1985 and win the race, Mm. you know? So it's like, I was always around it. My dad was a mechanic, um, owned a shop called Central All Electric. That's what I named this, this, the studio. I named it the shop. I got all this old Pepsi, hand painted Pepsi Cola, Central All Electric, Coca-Cola, you know, automotive signs. Like I've got those on the hang up all over this thing. Um, But my dad was a mechanic right there near the track and like knew, Knows Humpy Wheeler, you know, he's one of the production guys and facility guys with, with Charlotte Motor Speedway and, and you know, Speedway Motorsports in general. Um, you know, he bought parts from Napa and AutoZone, all these. So he got all these incentives to go to the Bristol track. And then we went so much, it was like, oh, I'm good. And Boy Scouts, that was another thing. I got to see Dale Jr. running the AC Delco car. I got to see, like, some, I mean, I got to see some legendary stuff I didn't really keep up with because it was just there all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't get burnt out on NASCAR necessarily. It's just that I was around it so much. It just was just, it's just part of right. my everyday thing. And then I got on tour and kind of didn't follow it as much. But then I kind of checked in from time to time. Let's just be honest, the car tomorrow kind of like set everybody back 10 years. Everybody was trying to like get through that. And so I just lost interest at a certain time just because it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't seem very competitive. And then that whole thing with JJ, when he said that he was a fan, and I'm like, I am too. I'm like, we got something in common now? Okay. And then we're watching a race, me and JJ. Aaron shows up and goes, wait, you guys like NASCAR? We're like, yeah. He goes, Dude, I like that stuff. Like, yes. <laughs> it literally was a Beavis and Butt moment. We're all just like, yeah. And all of a sudden, just this spark happened, and we just started buying up as much like collectible, like cheap lot, like huge lots on eBay of just like 250 cars you could buy for $50, you know, die casts, like whatever they were. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what whose name was. Phil Parsons, you know, like freaking uh, 
Joey Strickland, you know, all these yeah. dude, just names you just, you remember from an era, but never anything past that. So we went ham on buying die casts, going to flea markets and buying vintage t-shirts back into it again. And then I just started wearing the full front. They call it total print, but like oh, yeah. where it's printed from here the to best. you know, and it's, <laughs> I think they, they don't make them as much as anymore because I don't think people did, but I'm like, dude, that's my shit. I think that's so cool. So <laughs> We just, we literally like got super overly obsessed about it. And then all of a sudden, at the same time, they're putting out the record. Alex Bowman hits up 10 and we're on fire for NASCAR. And we're just like, no way. And he's like, yeah, hey, you guys are going to be around for, you know, I know you live in Tampa. You want, you want to, would you like to come out to the Daytona 500? And we're all just kind of like, is this, is this real? Like, really? <laughs> And he was so generous. He, he, he leased us a bus for the day. And nice. my son had just been born January the 25th. And here comes February 16th, you know, going down there for speed week. And my wife knew how much I was looking forward to it. She was a trooper. And so we took a three week old baby down there to the ground <laughs> at Daytona. And she was so, like I said, very generous. But Alex put us up in the nicest accommodations, watched the race. Um, and then we came through Charlotte, actually, um, on a tour, a headlining tour not too long after that. He came out, and he brought with him Greg Stone mm-hmm. and his fiance. Well, not John, I'm sorry, his girlfriend. Um, from Off Axis Paint. From, he paints from a lot of helmets, helmets for a lot of the drivers out there. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's just the channel in there. And that's where when I actually met Greg Stump, and uh, he was wanting to do like a custom snare for Aaron, was wanting to try to do something cool. And he was like, "Hey, he's like, give me a couple of your pointers. What do you think?" And we just kept saying Gold Leaf, Winston, you know, the Eagle, you know, like we just trying to say classic stuff. And he painted up this snare with. This, the Winston Eagle on it and it says Dixie original on one side. And it's just like, a, it's like a commemorative snare for me and Aaron. So nice. I have it here. It's, it's really, really cool. But he, him and uh, Noel uh, McEwen and those guys at off access paint, unbelievable artists. You've seen it, Kevin, you've seen oh, what yeah. they've done. Mm-hmm. He does all of Martin Truex, Alex Bowman, William Byrne, uh, Matt Crafton, um, John Hunter Nemechek, um, Tyler Ankrum. Like he just, everybody goes to Greg and Greg past all that being an amazing virtuoso artist with a, with a, uh, an air spray gun on being able to like make things look lifelike. Other than that talent, he's one of the greatest human beings I've ever walked with. He's such a generous guy, such an amazing guy. And so anything I, anything attested towards my NASCAR experience from the day I met Greg till now has to do with him. He's so generous and he's allowed me to see, the vaults um, of some NASCAR stuff that some people will never see. Um, he, he, him and another friend are a curator of Sam Bass's estate right yeah. now. Do you know who Sam Bass is? Yep. Um, and I've got to see some pretty amazing stuff, some original, like hand-drawn, you know, uh, renderings of like the Jeff Gordon Rainbow awesome. Warrior car. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that designed that. I got to see. So, that kind of amazing stuff. And Greg's such a, like I said, he's a great ambassador and he's such a great person and um, taking care of the Bass family, you know, Mark and his mother, like they're beautiful people. I love them so much. So it, my, my NASCAR experience is, has, is, is one of a kind. I've actually went and worked with Greg at off Access. Like I had some time earlier in the year. I flew down there and sanded helmets for him. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was funny because I, ha- I had Haley Deegan's and Alex's and William and all that. And I'm like, every one of these are going to be going about 200 miles per hour this year. This wow. is pretty sick. And I'm just like standing in there, but he's such a generous guy. And, and i he's taken me everywhere. He's introduced me to everybody. Um, yeah. I know, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who's the janitor at Rick Ware racing, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, it's like <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's like, he does. Those, do, those are the real people. Yeah. He so. really is connected. I, I mean, we have him on our list here. We hope to reach out to him, get him on this podcast too. Cause that's the whole goal with this podcast this year. Is we're just talking to people that are connected with NASCAR that, that, that 
people might not have met yet or, or know that are behind the scenes, kind of like Greg himself. Yeah, you mentioned it, though, with all uh, some of the drivers that are, are, are fans of, like, that that more heavy music scene, right? We, mm-hmm. You all know. You've seen, like, the Bubba and Blaney um, things. And, and Alex, I feel like, is, like, one of the most quiet, like, hardcore music fans there yeah. is. Do you, is it true? I, I don't know if you got a two, but do, do you have a Bowman tattoo, an 88 tattoo? I know Aaron might from the um, the one win that he did. Yeah, so when he won, I think it was Fontana. Yep. His first win was in Chicago. It was Chicagoland the year previous. And then I think he had just – it was either with the Cincinnati car Mm-hmm. or the Chevy tools. I think it was a Cincinnati car. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, we had just been on a text. We have a text chain with them. Um, and uh, we usually just talk about just, uh, you know, do what dudes talk about whiskey and, and dogs and just cool stuff. Um, but he was talking about, man, to get this win. And Aaron just blurted it out. He's like, he goes, he, he, first he, he said to us, he goes, I got a fast car boys. And I'm, we're like, we know you do. Like Hendrick sets up for those big you know one and a half two mile track they're just smoking them and it was at a time in the season where he could have won the one before and maybe the one before and it's like his time's coming well whenever he was getting those lap times at fontana everybody was like oh dude he's gonna bring it and then i think we had been in the text chain and we're like you win this race we're gonna get we're gonna 88 tattooed on us and he's just like i don't know about that we're like come on i mean because you know look at me you know we got I don't need a reason to get another tattoo. I just like tattoos, but we're like, come on. I'm like, we're going to all get it. If you get, you, if you win, you got to get it. And he was like, all right, all right. I guess we're that. So me and Aaron immediately called him and Utah, me here. We called up our tattoo guys. Was like, Hey, go ahead and set up. <laughs> Cause whether he won or not, I think we're going to get it. But he was like, we, we set up our appointments and I, and I even told my tattoo guy, he was going to be in, in Mooresville the next week. He's got family in Statesville over there. And I was like, you can use my guy. I'll send him to your house. <laughs> Hell, you don't even have to even like leave your home. I, <laughs> and I'm just trying to get him to get it. I'm just trying to get him to get it. But anyways, we went and got it, you know. And after the race is over, he said it. He said it, I think, on the MEC. He's like, he goes, yeah, I told my, my good bud Aaron that, you know, if I won this, I want to get a tattoo. So I guess I'm going to get a tattoo. And that it was literally the next day me and Aaron were going to get ours. We both, we both got our tattoos. There it is. There it is. <laughs> both got ours. And like, we sent them pictures of this, you know, sent them, you know, flipping them off, like, <laughs> you know, razzing them, giving them a good time. And that dude still hadn't got that tattoo. <laughs> uh, and the best part about it is, don't you know, a couple months later, he goes and changes his number. <laughs> uh, dude, and, hey, and come to find out, that's one of the main reasons because he knew he was about to. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> he really did. I mean, obviously, but we all because we were in the text chain going, Larson's going. It's Larson. This is obviously before the fact, yeah, yeah. but we were like, Larson's going to the to the 48, isn't he? He's going to take it over. He's going to. And they were like, they had said, you know, of course, it's that was mentioned because Larson's just. I mean, a freaking anomaly. Amazing. And, 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 and no one thought about the five car. And so it's like, yeah, he's totally going to go to the 48. And then someone had mentioned like Corey LaJoy was even put up to contention to go going into the 48. But then all that stuff went down. And then I think Alex just, Jim, what I understand is Jimmy was like, there's no one else in line that would be as professional enough to carry the ally name and be as clean cut and like, you know, stick to the, the script. You know, no doubt, he, yeah. he has – he has one sponsor and you look at Greg's paint list. It's mm-hmm. literally, it's just 20 some ally, you know, like 20 some ally listings. And he's got to make seven, eight different renderings of an ally helmet. So it's like that. It has to be that kind of guy that can stick to that kind of thing. And, and dude, yeah, of course, Alex was a shoe in, but I don't need a reason to get a 48 tattoo. I love Jimmy Johnson. He's my favorite. That's right. So I'm still yet to, I'm going to get a 48 just for the fact I went to uh, a, a, I guess it was more or less a flea market and bought the nationwide Alex Bowman because I think it, that's a cool part of history, like mm-hmm. you know, taking that over from Junior. Yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah, I just thought you know I, I could own a ally Alex Bowman and be as current as possible. I could own an ally Jimmy Johnson and be like that's kind of cool. But the whole transition from Junior to to Alex is just really cool to me. So. I went ahead and bought that 88 nationwide, you know, jacket with pride and was like, this is, you know, one day, you know, I, we look at stuff from the eighties and nineties going, man, that was really cool when that happened. You know, that 
it's like one day my kids or us, we're going to look back and go, yeah, I got a jacket of when, you know, junior is such a huge Dale junior is such a huge part of everything that's happening in the sport. Now it's like the legend status of that alone. You know, it's like, it's cool to have a piece of that history, you know? So I love, I love that whole 88 car situation, him transition. And then I like the fact that they're about to put it in the Xfinity or run it with helmets, all that. So I thought that was pretty cool. No doubt. No doubt. Do you have anything, JJ, there? Well, I just think um, Alex has had some success here. Obviously, you've come up here and, and performed a few times. If we can okay. get this whole thing oh. ironed out right, so if you're here, Alex is racing, maybe we get Aaron in town. Um, if we can get all these things to come together <laughs> one of these Pocono races, I think we, we put another another bet down for a 48 tattoo if he can win it again. But uh, oh, yeah. we've, we've talked we, about bringing tattoos artists up here for like we, on race weekend. We to, have to tattoo in, people in victory lane. Maybe we should we, we'll get one in victory lane. We'll just line everybody up. Dude, that's <laughs> great. If you get somebody to render up the triangle, like doing different versions of the triangle thing, I'll, I'm going to get that. Tat- I'm going to get a Pocono tattoo anyways. But just getting that and different variations of the tricky triangle, the trickier, and, and then you got tricky with Fox. You got a great tattoo ideas. And it was funny is when I was there last year, played. I was I left early. Yeah. Remember I had to oh, yeah. get on the I, road. And Alex, on, Alex ended up That's right. That's right. He almost didn't. Right. And I the, like the second he won too. I texted because I knew you were leaving a little bit early, and I was like, "Tell yeah. me you didn't leave." <laughs> <laughs> dude, you were because t- I was. It was dude. The sig- obviously the signal cell signal. Yeah. There's a little sp- spotty somewhere. So I'm trying to watch it while I'm driving down the interstate. And that last lap, and it it was Larson's tire blue, and here comes Alex. <laughs> and I was like, no. and I was already like maybe 25, 30 minutes out. I was like, no way. <laughs> and you texted me. Yeah. And I'm like, because oh, Alex texted me afterwards. He goes, Is, are you still here? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm already on my way back. He was like, he goes, he goes, man, obviously I can't party because it's a doubleheader. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, he's like, so that's okay. You're not here to party. You're not missing anything. But I was still like, dang it, I wanted to be down. You, were the, you were the good luck charm though. I mean, I mean, I think that that's what Cheers. it was for that, for that day. For that day, Cheers for, for sure. That. I appreciate that. But but I bringing it back to, to last year and everything, how was it um, playing in front of the fans? I know there's a picture somewhere. I got to find it and, and send it to you of you signing some guy's arm. Like the fans were digging it, man. They were loving uh, loving you play. Um, you played uh, both days, Saturday and Sunday uh, before the race last year. So how fun was that coming up here? And we were so glad that, that you were able to make it. Man, the trip was was gorgeous. I split it into two different like shifts and got to enjoy a little time in East Tennessee where I'm from, driving through Bristol. So it's 81 the whole way, right? Yep. Um, so the drive was awesome, super easy, and then I just got to mull over my set the whole time driving up there. And then when I did get to town, I, Wilkes Bar, I think, is where I stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in Wilkes Bar because, like I said a little earlier, NASCAR kind of bought up all the hotels around for all their crew. Um, so I stayed about 35 minutes away, which I drove over the top of this, um, state land mountain, Bear Creek. Uh, I don't know what you would call the mountain, the ridge, but literally one of the roads I took went from this and you do this and it does this for like at least a half a mile, just this straight up. I'm like, how in the world do they do this in the snow and ice? And maybe this is like not a way they take when there's snow and ice, but nonetheless, the most beautiful country driving from where I stayed to the track. When I got to the track, you and ever you guys, the Mattioli family, you guys rolled out the red carpet for me and took really, really good care of me. Um, I felt very taken care of. And then as far as the fans go, I love it that it's, you know, everywhere has good down home people, no matter it doesn't have, you don't have to be from the South to be good down home. And that's what I feel like with the Pocono and the Pocono mountains there and around the area like you know going all the way out to philadelphia and 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 you know down into west virginia and and just the area people would come up to the track it's like these are real nascar fans so i knew i was going to be able to connect to them with you know storytelling in general Mm -hmm. and playing some of the songs uh that i knew would connect with the people like it literally made it made people stand still and a basically a traveling area of the track the fanfares like people just walking through and people stopped to listen and they really cared and they would come back you know i can't 
we're going to go into the race and we are you going to be playing when we come back out and i was yeah. like yes you know with the double header both days so i played at the before the first and in between the sec the first and the second and did that both day. and people would come back around very generous people um they love the merchandise i i you know everybody grabbed a t-shirt and a hat and like you said there's a bunch of people who are like you know sign you know sign something sign my arm and i'm like well i mean okay i will you know you're gonna wash it off but i mean he might he might have had a bush light in his hand i don't know (laughs) (laughs) or he he had man i had one in his hand but i'm sure he had about five or six in Mm one so Um, (laughs) but uh man like i said i just i felt so taken care of by you guys and, and it's just so beautiful up there i got a soft place in my heart for northwood's dairy dip like midwestern like little you know almost like uncle buck style mm-hmm. <laughs> just I mean, out there um the great outdoors you know dan Aykroyd and john candy in a movie if it's a place that looks like that i'm a sucker for and it and that's what pocono has to offer it's it's a really cool Northwoods feel like you smell a campfire, you hear, you know, the, the cars humming around the track, you, you smell barbecue, you know, you it's in the, in the weather, the time of year, like the mornings are just super crisp in the sixties, gorgeous. And then, you know, about 75, 80 degrees that come race time. And, um, Oh, it's just amazing. And make it, I made solid friends with a, a couple of the, the, people you guys had for production there i keep in touch with um one of them that he he ran the sound he yep. actually was mm-hmm. the, the sound guy um i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he's super dude oh gee um, kevin yeah kevin kevin OG, runs OG, OG, State. OG. yeah sorry yeah. og I, he he texts me all the time great guy. Nice. um but yeah so the, the that that whole experience was amazing i actually keep in touch with the about four or five people that I met when I was up there. Um, they're just big fans. They'd heard of me. They watched the virtual and they knew about Aaron and sort of the story behind there. So it's cool to be able to make those connections. Um, and then of course the track is so cool. I think the best seats are up there where we were sitting, where you had like the, uh, the mezzanine and, and you know, the, the food, the buffet line and everything. It's like, if you can see the, the tunnel turn, and then you see both the edges, you know, as far as like turn one and then and then turn turn three. Like as far as being able to see them, every stride of the track is just unreal. It's it's bigger than Daytona to me. This this the sheer mm-hmm. size and being and looking at it, like when you're at Daytona, you're in a spot and you're seeing them, you know, you're just right. you know, hopefully you can see sparks and flames whenever they do wreck way down turn three and four but if you're at turn one and two and everything's right in front of you where i feel like at pocono it's purposely you guys have the steeple and the stands in a way that you can see the whole track and then since you can see the whole track it's like watching an air show on the ground <laughs> everything's moving so fast so far away it's just so cool i i, I enjoyed every part of it so you've talked about your NASCAR experiences. You've talked about your past. You've talked about how this whole thing came together. What's next in your world, man? What's what's next for Rowdy? Um, well, right now I'm setting on an 11 song record that we're really trying to plan something cool, creative for a rollout. Um, I've given hints here and there of some of the new songs that are on the record. Uh, released a single with Tennessee Grit. Um, you know, there's a few different posts on TikToks and everything else and Instagram that I've used a couple of the other songs. And um, this record is a working man's record. It's 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 called Los Sabaneros, uh, which means the Cowboys, the Plainsmen, and that's what I feel like I did with a group of boys. We just ca- we cowboyed this last record. We we bootstrapped it. We put the tools together and got under the car and made it as fast as you can make it. And we ran this thing flat out and recorded this thing in town. I flew everybody in. We all stayed in Airbnbs. And it's it's a monster of a record. It sounds so good. JJ mixed it. Um, had Chad Howitt. Uh, um, he, he's, he's a good buddy of the bands. Um, and he, he helped out JJ with mixing and doing some mastering for the under oath record um and jj kind of came away from that experience just ready to rock it he's like give me the record i want to mix it i'm like all right let's do this man um 
we had them mixed and mastered. It's pretty much ready to roll out. I I had a few setbacks uh, earlier this uh, spring uh, that caused me to have to kind of postpone a few shows uh, that were going to be kind of towards a release. Um, but the record's awesome. Sounds incredible. I'm super excited to, to, to put it out to the world. I've been building a studio, which is called the Dixie Den, and, and pretty much the shop at the Dixie Den. Um, this is going to be a, my full-time writing studio. Um, that's I've, This has kept me pretty busy. Um, I did some ranch work for a little while just to get some, near some horses. I feel like the a horse is like my kind of spirit animal, spirit guide. I, I, I really relate a lot to him. And that was sort of therapeutic for me. I got to spend some time out on a farm working and a lot of time around horses. And I feel like it was a nice little um, introduction into spring, you know, winter kind of gets gray and, you know, you need something to kind of inspire you and keep you going and keep you up when NASCAR is not around. <laughs> um, so that was, that was something that I got into and that really pushed me into this year and being, you know, I stepped back from under oath and all those guys were like, you need to pursue reality full time. You got this new record. Let's put you out there. Let's do this. And so I went full time rowdy, got the record, um, songwriting, always keep that going. Aaron's writing tons as well. Um, JJ's pretty busy. We're about to get back together here soon. And we're gonna, I'm going to go down to Florida. We're going to play some shows. We're going to run some Southeastern tour dates. Um, I played last night actually in town for a short case. It went really well. Nice. A little three-piece gig. It was me, acoustic, and a bass player and a drummer. It was some real troubadour stuff, man. It was really, really cool. Nice. Real broke down, um, but still rocking in its own vibe. So I'm having a good time. I'm having a real good time getting things getting rolling, you know, coming out of the the, the standstill for the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm sort of enjoying – it's a little bit of a, a renewal process because yeah. mm-hmm. nothing's like it was. and um, I feel like the, the people that I'm doing it with are the best people that I've ever done music with. Um, yeah, man, just, I think what's keeping me the most busy other than loving being a dad, I got a, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old and they're both kicking it and, and they're so great. So sweet, sweetest kids ever. Um, my wife is doing really well and, and we've, we've got to, um, to do some cool traveling here recently and go do some do some fun trips. So doing the family thing, doing the rowdy thing, doing the riding thing, doing the, the just keeping my hands busy and and uh man, just hard at work. Just I feel like I'm I get I find something to do and I just put everything into it and I do it until it's done and then I don't even look up. And sometimes there might be something going on around me but not as important as it was in front of me. So there you go. um yeah, exactly. So, yeah, looking to book up some dates and get out there and play. And, possibly, yeah, I'd love to come back up there, guys. I'd love to come back up there and do it again. Got a lot of new material and um, a lot of new cool stories to tell. And I'm excited to see the beautiful people of Pocono. Of course, Matty Oli family is always thankful for them running that track and, of course, being so generous. So. So are we, and you know, we hope to get you up here too sometime. If it's not for a race, you know, we have a we have a El- the Elements Festival is coming this year. It's kind of an EDM fest, but it's kind of it's our first roll or first run into a, the festival scene since the '70s. So we're gonna see how it goes in in August. It's gonna be a lot of fun, a lot of new people up behind the racetrack, but it's hopefully gonna set us up to be able to do more. So maybe maybe one day, maybe not at the race, but we'll see you here. Playing at a festival. Who knows? Never hey, say never. But, you know, in, in in the meantime, I think we've piqued enough interest here in Rowdy, and I think we've got our fans ready to go. Where can they Where can they find you? Where can they find your music before they uh, see you here or wherever they see you? Right. Thank you for asking. Um, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, a simpleton when it comes to that part of – the plug and the marketing and things, but rowdy dixieoriginal.com dixieoriginal.com uh instagram tiktok uh facebook uh rowdy dixie original if it doesn't look like this it ain't the real thing <laughs> um yeah so everything i've i've actually kept up with a little bit of a, a you know a, a, a vlog if you will of, of the construction process of this so you go to tiktok you can kind of keep up with me and building this building the Dixie Den out. Um, Aaron's already got this place booked and ready, ready to get <laughs> yeah. riding. That's why I got to finish it before the middle of June. 
Um, and JJ's going to be coming up, specking some sound treatment and getting this thing ready. So it's all about having a, it literally is all about having your own, like just shop, you know, having, having a hole you can get into and just go get to work and get something done creatively. And, and that's what we've done. We've learned how to make the most out of a minimal space. And that's what we're doing. But, you know, the record, under oath record they just came out with, uh, they recorded it in a space smaller than this, and it sounds unbelievable. So, but it's in Tampa near where all they live. So, like pretty much doing it in their living room. Um, but yeah, we've learned to, you know, do a lot with this, with uh, small spaces. But um, Rowdy Dick's original everywhere across the board. Got some cool merch. He, uh, I see Kevin's wearing uh, one of my Rowdy shirts. It's a, a spinoff of the Seven Hundred Horses Dale Earnhardt um, Lumina um, design and. Um, Super cool stuff that these boys, the, the, basically the dudes who, who designed the cars designed that shirt. <laughs> right. So I was pretty, pretty uh, fortunate to run in Greg's stuff, obviously, was, was my reference for that. But run into some cool people there that wanted to lend their creativity towards old Rowdy. Was that, uh, um, was that, was that Schiff? Uh, no, no, Schiff actually, uh, he, he, he did some editing of that shirt and he did the, He's done my album covers. He's done like that kind of design work. As far as like the merch design stuff goes, that's a uh, uh, livery design in, in uh, Mooresville. Um, uh, let's see here. Zach uh, Smith design is out of Mooresville. He's worked for Stuart Haas racing before and a couple other places, but these, all these design dudes are, they, they've got templates and renderings of all the stock cars from since back in the 60s and 70s and that's why you can see those old cars on newer merch that they sell shift um, uh shift, they've got all the stuff so shifted our, our pace car this year actually so when we get our new car in um he did the design on our pace car which is going to be some shades of uh jeff gordon dupont flame kind of situation yeah. um Oh, so, that's cool! I didn't know that. Oh I yeah, didn't know that. yeah. We got uh, we got hooked up with him through Greg actually, because Greg was going to do it's it. It's all a circle. It's, We're all it's connected. Every, it's a big tangled web. <laughs> um, Greg was going to do some stuff. He did some helmets for us last year. We were going to have him do the car. He got super busy, kicked us over to shift, oh, yeah. and we spent uh, a couple of months going through a, di- a bunch of different designs with him, um, and finally landed on some some old school Jeff Gordon look. Uh, with some of our colors and everything. So when that comes out, that's going to be pretty wild. But, uh, yeah, again, Tangled Web. (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, that's why we wanted you on this show, and we're going to get a couple people in that Tangled Web on the show this year. So we're bringing all the fans into our our, our, uh, uh, crew here. That's really how it operates around here, though. We worked really hard to create this type of synergy in a community to have this exact scenario, like, we all look out for each other and you know, we want someone that we can lean on or we can pass something down to, to just keep the integrity of getting a job done like mm-hmm. alive. Right. So I, we all play roles. We're all really good at individual things in this, in this community we built and it allows for those things to happen. And I don't even know about it. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I, I knew Greg before shift knew Greg, but as soon as, Greg found out that Ship did design work. He's like, "Oh, boy, do I have some stuff for you!" You know, so he's he's passing stuff, and and Ship uses the war. Literally, he he's thankful for it. So it's really cool. We're all entangled, like you said. And I think um, it also just further shows the the deeper connection that's there between music, touring, and NASCAR. Right? Like, I mean, if you think about touring and, and NASCAR, it's so, not that much different, right? Yeah. It really isn't. You talked it's about not, your studio it's there. Not. It's it's like your studio is the sim- is their shop, right? You need to That's build right. up your studio in order to creatively make the best thing possible. They need to build up their That's shop. Right. Boy, do we need to work on our studio? Yeah, we're <laughs> in trouble here. I know where you're at in the building, though. That's what's yep. beautiful. I know exactly where you're at. <laughs> well, man, thank you so much for for joining us here. Um, we hope to see you up at the track soon, and and if not, we'll be listening for the new music, and um, we'll talk again real soon. Absolutely. Anybody out there, come come and find me on social media. Follow along. Kevin's just as much a part of everything that we're doing. And if you want something to believe in and you want something to, to lean into, um, you, you can trust these guys in Pocono. These are top quality A-list people. Um, 
I'd let them watch my children. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, Go Raceway, Matty, Matty, family. You guys are so generous with everything that you guys do, and and everything we do, we only try to connect and keep the same integrity alive. So, if if you want something to believe in, you can believe in Pocono, and you can believe in Rowdy. Oh, we appreciate that, man. And and like I said, we'll we'll talk real soon. So thanks for coming on. Cheers. Well, how about that, race fans and JJ? What more do you need to know? That was a lot of fun. What more do you need to know about Rowdy? That was a lot of fun, man. Um, we hope to get him up here again sometime soon. Um, but, you know, you're going to be hearing a lot from him, I think, uh, over the next couple of years. He's putting out some good music. Obviously, we mentioned his new record that's going to come out soon. Mm -hmm. um, we're featuring the, the song Mountain Down on the intro and outro of this podcast. And he's got uh, Tennessee Grits out there right now on the Spotify's as well as his music from um, previous recordings. Yeah, he mentioned where you could find him. So go check him out. Give him a listen if you like what he's doing. Um, let him know about it. I know he'll appreciate it. And hell, you might be the best friends with him. Yeah, by the end of it, and talk about how big of a NASCAR fan that man is. Big NASCAR fan, just like us, and just like all, all you guys. Um, it's really cool to see um, the connections between the NASCAR mm -hmm. world and the music world, and and just the similarities, and and also just the um, the the kind of pieces you can put together of how they're they're two in the same in a in right? a way. It's it's this it's the whole same thing, right? It's two two traveling circuses. The same people are traveling with that NASCAR band every weekend, and just like they're on tour. It's the same people traveling every weekend. There's, like I said, there's really not that much of a difference. One's got race cars, one's got guitars. That's all. It's very interesting indeed. And uh, we thank you all again for tuning into this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed. And um, JJ, say your lines. That's right, Kevin. Fans, if you liked what you heard here, tell us about it. If you didn't like it, tell us about it. If you had a suggestion, tell us about it. Like, rate, subscribe. Uh, we want to make sure that this podcast is as fun for you guys to listen to as it is for us to record. Um, so your suggestions always help us get a little bit better um, as we go forward with the season with no name. Uh, Kevin, do we have maybe a little teaser on what's coming up next? Do we have anything for him? Or are we just going to leave him in the dark till next time? We're going to leave him in the dark until All next right. time. Um, but we got some cool guests uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the line to, uh, to talk to here on the Pocono Raceway podcast. And we will come to you next time with another great episode. All right. We'll leave you guys with a little bit of our guest today, Rowdy, and his song, Mountain Down.